Welcome to this week's episode of The Divine Lantern. With the blessing of His Eminence, Metropolitan Basilios, the Antiochian Orthodox Archdiocese presents a podcast to educate, empower and enrich. I'm your host, Atticus, from St. Nicholas Antiochian Orthodox Church in New South Wales. In this week's episode, we'll be joined by Reverend Father Nabil Kashab, who will be providing a message from the Gospel of Matthew where Christ calls Peter, Andrew, James and John to follow him. This will be followed by short readings from our Philokalic Nourishment series, as well as a selected chanting track. We will then conclude today's episode with a selected reading from our Orthodox Library. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. The Gospel reading today is from Matthew 4, 18, 23. Let us attend. At that time, as Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. And he went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every infirmity among the people. Beloved in Christ, we just heard the gospel according to St. Matthew, which the church brings to our attention on the second Sunday after Pentecost. This passage talks about the first calling of the disciples who left their nets and followed Jesus. They left their nets and their fathers and followed him. This gospel reminds us to constantly renew our calling. We don't have to leave literally everything, but we need to dispose of whatever is keeping us away from him. The apostles did so, but it was in a different time and specific circumstances. Each one of us has been called. We were baptized and sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Myrrh, empowering us to become members of Christ's army. We became soldiers for the one and only King of peace and justice. The seal that we receive on the day of our baptism is the Spirit of God that teaches and reminds us of all the actions that Jesus did and taught. It renews us every year at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit fulfills all the sacraments, whether it be divine liturgy, baptism, wedding, confession, repentance, ordination, holy unction, and others. The Holy Spirit is the power that transforms and sanctifies everyone who desires to be a member of Christ's body. Without the Holy Spirit... The church ceases to produce saints, which is the very purpose of its existence. Last Sunday, we celebrated the fruits of the Holy Spirit, the Sunday of all saints, the one we know 
and the one we do not know. In 1 Peter 2.9, we read the following. But you are chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The royal priesthood which belongs to every person who is baptized in the name of the Holy Trinity calls us to live a life of service to others, caring, loving, and reflecting on them his marvelous light, proclaiming his excellencies. Thus we follow him who said, I came to the world to serve and not to be served. Mark 10.45 The question before us today, how can we renew the calling that is within us? How can we fan the divine flame that lies dormant within us? The Holy Fathers explained to us that this renewal happens when we have a burning desire and with humility, prayer and fasting, seek to follow him who called us and said, according to John, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. We must thirst for his presence in our life. We must be like the Samaritan woman asking for the life-giving water. On the cross, Jesus was thirsty, but his thirst was of a different kind. He was thirsty for us to believe and be saved. He wants us to come to knowledge of the truth that liberates us. As he said in John 8.32, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. In the midst of our busy life, which is full of earthly temptation, Christ comes to us calling us. We need to hear his voice. We need to attend to his calling. We need to deepen our understanding of his salvific plan. In so doing, we will find peace, hope, and a way to our salvation. This salvation, this good news we must preach to the whole universe each one of us from his position and ability. This is the core of our calling as we are Christ's army, his children, his disciples and his apostles. We must fish men from the net of death and bring them into the net of life. Unfortunately, some of us are weak, therefore avoid to delve into the depth of the faith where one can find the life-giving water and green pasture. One can ask the question, what is the depth of faith that we are talking about? The depth is to be fervent in our belief and to be courageous seeking Christ in our life, going with him to Golgotha on daily basis, denying ourselves and disposing of our selfishness. It is evident from the gospel which we just heard, Christ called his disciples to teach them and send them. He called the illiterate and the simple. He called the unqualified and qualified them to execute his divine and holy task. St. Paul says to the Corinthians in first letter 127, But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the word to shame the strong. 
Beloved in Christ, we need to understand that the divine word is the icon of God and his living presence acting in the one who utter it and the one who hear it. We read in Isaiah 55:11, My word that proceeds from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish whatever I willed. And I shall prosper your ways and my commandments. The Lord says to each one of us, Do not be afraid. Go and preach the good tidings. Share the joy of the life-giving resurrection. In Jeremiah 1.8 we read, Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Beloved in Christ, let us stop and think. Let us stop and take stock of our spiritual life. Let us stop and say with St. Paul, Today is an acceptable time. 2 Corinthians 6.2 Today the Lord will listen to us and fulfill our needs. And our needs is to seek his kingdom. Let us attend to the divine calling by making a firm decision to follow Christ with conviction and commitment. Let us go deep into the realm of our faith, making our best efforts on all levels in order to become a true luminous apostles and as members of the household of God serve the church of Christ with zeal and gladness, fishing those who are lost, bringing them into the net of salvation. In conclusion, we need to know that we may think that we already encountered Jesus at our baptism or through the church services that we attend. But these ideas can be just a simple holy habit. The true encounter is rather when we feel the depth of this life-changing experience by the renewal and the transformation of our inner spirit. It is a personal encounter it is a Pentecostal experience that leaves us with total obedience to him. St. Simeon the Styler tells us that this life-changing experience is the penetration into the life of the crucified Christ and our own resurrection. Encountering Christ on that level is the healing of our disease and the strengthening of our weakness. It is our reconciliation with him and the restoration of our fallen image. This is the divine plan and action. May the Holy Spirit guide, sustain and encourage all of us to become fishers of man working in the vineyard of the Lord, each one of us according to the talent that has been given. St. Paul in his letter to the Ephesians 4, 11, 12 says, he himself gave some to be apostle, some prophet, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the edifying of the body of Christ. In so doing, we demonstrate that we did not accept the grace of God in vain. We have seen the true light. We have received the heavenly spirit. We lived the faith. We became light before others who sees our good works and give glory 
to our Father who is in heaven. Amen. Thank you, Father Nabil, for that beautiful sermon. And now a reading from the Philokalia. Take your weekly spiritual dose and reflect on the words of our holy Neptic Fathers with this week's Philokalic Nourishment. Fear of God is of two kinds. The first is generated in us by the threat of punishment. It is through such fear that we develop in due order, self-control, patience, hope in God and dispassion. And it is from dispassion that love comes. The second kind of fear is linked with love and constantly produces reverence in the soul so that it does not grow indifferent to God because of the intimate communion of its love. St. Maximus the Confessor The true ruler is he who rules over himself and has subjected soul and body to the intelligence. Saint Thalassios the Libyan The intellect cannot be still unless the body is still also, and the wall between them cannot be demolished without stillness and prayer. St. Mark the Ascetic On June 29 in the Holy Orthodox Church, we commemorate the holy, glorious, all-laudable and foremost of the Apostles, Peter and Paul. Peter, who preached the cross, died by crucifixion, and Paul by the sword's cutting, who cut down error. On the 29th, Peter suffered the cross and Paul the sword. Together, they are the patrons and protectors of the Patriarchate of Antioch. Peter was the son of Jonah and the brother of Andrew, the first called. He was of the tribe of Simeon from the town of Bethsaida. He was a fisherman and, at first, was called Simon, but the Lord was pleased to call him Cephas, or Peter. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon the son of Jonah, thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a rock. He was the first of the disciples to clearly express faith in the Lord Jesus, saying, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. His love for the Lord was great, and his faith in the Lord gradually strengthened. When the Lord was brought to trial, Peter denied him three times, but only after one glance into the face of the Lord, Peter's soul was filled with shame and repentance. After the descent of the Holy Spirit, Peter became a fearless and powerful preacher of the Gospel. Peter worked many powerful miracles. He healed the sick, resurrected the dead. The sick were healed even from his shadow. By order of the evil Emperor Nero, Peter was condemned to death in 64 AD, installing Linus as Bishop of Rome, counseling and comforting the flock of Christ. Peter proceeded joyfully to his death. Seeing the cross before him, he begged his executioners to crucify him upside down, for he considered himself unworthy to die, as did his Lord. Thus the great servant of the great Lord reposed and received the wreath of eternal glory. Paul was born in Tarsus of the tribe of Benjamin. At first he was called Saul, studied under Gamaliel, was a Pharisee and a persecutor of Christianity. 
He was miraculously converted to the Christian faith by the Lord himself, who appeared to him on the road to Damascus. Suddenly a light from heaven flashed about him, and Saul fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Saul was blinded, but regained his sight when he was baptized by the apostle Ananias. Then he was called Paul and numbered in the service of the great apostles. With a fiery zeal, Paul preached the gospel everywhere from the borders of Arabia to Spain, among the Jews and among the Gentiles. As horrible as his sufferings were, so much more was his superhuman patience. Throughout all the years of his preaching, Paul, from day to day, hung as one on a weak thread between life and death. Since he fulfilled all days and nights with labor and suffering for Christ, since he organized the church in many places, and since he attained such a degree of perfection, he was able to say, It is now no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. Paul was beheaded in Rome during the reign of Emperor Nero, at the same time as the Apostle Peter. By the intercessions of thy saints, O Christ our God, have mercy on us. Amen. And now a reading from our Orthodox Library. Guarding the sense of taste and the tongue. A reading from Nicodemus of the Holy Mountain by Nicodemus. The effects of various foods. The fourth sense is that of taste and generally speaking that of the mouth. Here indeed we find a great marketplace. This sense is like the great chasm that was suddenly opened in Rome and was so deep that no matter how much earth and debris was thrown into it, it simply disappeared and was never filled up, as the historians have written. Also, this sense of the mouth is like a gulf so wide that it can contain all the edible provisions which the earth and sea produce. According to St. Gregory of Nyssa, the mouth is like a large broken earthen jar that is always filled and yet always remains empty. In a word, it is an insatiable Hades. Even though the sense of taste is fourth in line, I consider it to be the first in terms of power. Be careful therefore to shut out of this door of your senses the negative effects of so many varieties of foods. Avoid then the sumptuous meals, avoid the bewitching artistry of the chefs, avoid wantonness and wastefulness in food, 
for what else were these delicacies invented? Certainly, you cannot say that they serve some need or function of the body, but only that cursed pleasure of taste in the mouth. What indeed are the effects of such a variety of foods? Nothing good, of course, comes from them, except passions and evils to the soul and to the body. Greedy licking, satiety and gluttony are the first offsprings. If we go deeper, we find drunkenness, rapacity, obesity, gout in the feet and in the hands, and even paralysis. If we go even deeper than this, we can also find fornication, homosexuality, and virtually all of the carnal and irrational passions that come under the influence of the stomach. These, then, are the evil byproducts of irrational indulgence in the delicate and tasty things of the mouth. This is why St. Gregory of Nyssa has spoken about the sense of taste in the following manner. One may say that it is the preoccupation with the pleasures of eating that brings forth each of the many evils. For who has not taken notice that the root of virtually all of life's faults lies in one's inordinate preoccupation with food? From such preoccupations come sumptuousness, drunkenness, gluttony, riotous living, overabundance, satiety, revelry, and the irrational and beastly tendency towards dishonorable passions. According to St. Gregory the Sinite, there are three degrees in eating, temperance, sufficiency, and satiety. Temperance is when someone wants to eat some more food but abstains, rising from the table still somewhat hungry. Sufficiency is when someone eats what is needed and sufficient for normal nourishment. Satiety is when someone eats more than enough and is more than satisfied. Now, if you cannot keep the first two degrees and you proceed to the third, then at least do not become a glutton, remembering the words of the Lord, Woe to you that are now full, for you shall hunger. Remember also that rich man who ate in this present life sumptuously every day, but who was deprived of the desired bosom of Abraham in the next life, simply because of this sumptuous eating. Remember how he longed to refresh his tongue with a drop of water. Saint Basil not only did not forgive the young people who ate to satiety, but also those who ate until satisfied. He preferred that all eat temperately. He said, Nothing subdues and controls the body as does the practice of temperance. It is this temperance that serves as a control to those youthful passions and desires. Saint Gregory the theologian also noted in his poetry, No satiety has brought forth prudent behaviour, for it is in the nature of fire to consume matter, and a filled stomach expels refined thoughts. It is this tendency of opposites to oppose each other. Let me add here that after abstaining from rich foods and sumptuous feasts, you must also keep the prescribed fast of each Wednesday and Friday throughout the year, except of course, 
for those times when no fast is required by the practice of the church calendar. Even if others may break this fast by including wine and oil in their diet on Wednesday and Friday, you ought not to imitate them, whoever they might be, for the holy canons require this rule to be kept. The 69th Apostolic Canon considers the fasting rules of each Wednesday and Friday to be the very same as that of Great Lent. Any bishop, priest, deacon, subdeacon, reader or chanter who does not fast during Great Lent and each Wednesday and Friday is to be deposed, except if he is prevented from doing so because of a bodily illness. If the person is a layman who does not fast, he is to be rejected. When eating and drinking, always remember the psalm, What profit is there in my blood if I go down to the pit? St. Basil has advised that we recall this verse in order to help us avoid overeating and overdrinking, as he has interpreted in the following manner. What is the need for robustness of flesh and an abundance of blood if their future is to be delivered over to the common corruption of the body? For this reason, I constrain and deprive my body. Otherwise, my blood becomes so robust and overzealous that it makes my flesh to sin. Do not therefore flatter your body with sleep and baths and soft beds, but always recall the saying, What profit is there for my blood if I go down to the pit? Why do you care for the lesser thing that will later become corrupt? Why do you bother to make yourself fat? Do you not know that the fatter you make your body, so much heavier will be the soul's prison? A big thank you to all our listeners as we conclude this week's episode of The Divine Lantern. Be sure to subscribe to our channel on your favourite podcast provider. For more information on our Archdiocese, follow us on our social platforms by searching Antiochian Orthodox Archdiocese Australia. Goodbye for now.